This is a Federal News Network podcast. Active duty, reserve, and civilian members of the Coast Guard are beginning to take advantage of a newly expanded mentoring program. Besides one-on-one traditional mentoring, the new program has several other formats, such as one-time speed mentoring for specific issues. Here with the latest, the chief of the Coast Guard's Office of Leadership, Commander Julie Cook. Commander Cook, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. It's great to be able to meet with you. This was launched in just a few days ago. What is your grand goal here for this expanded mentorship program? Our goal is to be able to evolve how we mentor in the Coast Guard to improve how our diverse workforce connects and grows in their careers to open up a world of diverse mentoring opportunities unavailable to our workforce before to how they connect and mentor across our diverse and amazing workforce. So you've had mentoring for a while. What does the new program have that uh, the old one did not have? It uses mobile-enabled software to connect our personnel across our globally deployed workforce. It uses four flexible mentoring options that enables people to engage and connect across Coast Guard communities in a completely customizable way that meets their individual needs and availability. It uses artificial intelligence that automates the Coast Guard connections and mentoring in real time. The software tool connects people that they might not otherwise know. What did it take to get all of the possible expertise into the system so that this whole thing, when you want a connection, it will come up with someone that's suitable? That's a great question. So it's, it uses powerful AI that matches uh, using uh, different algorithms, using profile questions that really create a quality match for our different participants uh, across our workforce, which is our total workforce solution using both our active duty our reserve component and our civilian employees, that they can enter their different demographics and their mentoring goals to really um, create a quality connection to have those matches that um, create what their mentoring needs are and their desires to meet the mentor of their choice, to be able to connect with anyone uh, in the globe to have that ideal mentor for them, regardless if they're stationed in the same location or across the globe for them. So it's possible that with this AI that if you say, I need mentoring in subject X, that person could be someone in uniform, it could be someone not in uniform, a civilian, or it could be a reservist. But the point is it matches the skills that you need in mentoring more than rank and file type of measurements. That's exactly true. We use many different dimensions, and it really puts the ball in the mentee's court where they can they can choose their mentor. Um, it really puts up on the screen the tool. It gives the um, instantly creates that percentage of match for what your mentors in the database based on the profiles they filled out based on um, what their backgrounds are, what their career histories are, what leadership attributes they feel they're good at, uh, what they can help others with, what you feel are important and what you want to develop as a mentee. And it matches that up. Uh, There's even some open fields that things like describe your best self to even um, further that quality of matching to uh, personalize the experience even further. We really want to have that personalized experience. And then the mentee can request a mentor based from that. And then they can request that. Then the mentor can accept that. So it really, um, really can personalize its experience quite a bit, despite being on software. Got it. And uh, there are four tracks in this mentoring program. Tell us what they are briefly and how they work. Sure. We're really excited about the flexibility this is going to provide our service. Uh, The first is the one-to-one mentoring, which is your traditional uh, program that you think of. It's formal tracked. uh, It's a pairing. uh, It's uh, a six-month period where you have uh, one mentor, one mentee, and you have that, that kind of formal relationship where you have kind of structured 
uh, settings and meeting times where you meet in that one-to-one relationship. And some people really, really value that. So we want to make sure we offered that. Uh, the second one is a communities marketplace, uh, which we have over 140 communities built for the Coast Guard. And that uh, captures every single Coast Guard rating, every single career specialty and subspecialty, and uh, different affinity groups and ways people relate to each other. We're really excited about that. That creates different circles for people. Um, the third one is reverse mentoring. We know um, not all mentoring relationships is a senior person mentoring a junior person. Sometimes junior people um, and people that are new to the workforce may have something really innovative that they can help someone that's a little bit more senior out. So we really want to be agile in our approach here. And the last one is that speed mentoring or that flash mentoring, which is really, I think, a very powerful tool as well. When you're coming up at a decision point in your life, especially uh, in the service, we um, sometimes have things that come up very quickly we need to make decisions on. And I think that's going to be very powerful for our workforce as well. We're speaking with Commander Julie Cook. She's Chief of the Office of Leadership at the Coast Guard. And some of the materials regarding this program made reference to the diversity and inclusion plan that exists in the Coast Guard. Is there some way that the mentoring maps over to the diversity and inclusion plan? It is. It's actually a critical part of the diversity inclusion action plan. Uh, We have a, a really diverse workforce in both uh, people's backgrounds, our skill sets, and the way we execute our missions across the Coast Guard. We have really unique uh, authorities in the Coast Guards, our mission sets, and the people we attract uh, to our service. We have a very unique service. So this is really a crucial part of this. I mentioned the four different flexible mentoring tracks. The way we execute this and connect people within our communities is really going to be crucial to how we enact that. We've been uh, we're actually a line item uh, as part of our diversity inclusion action plan to implement this. We have been partnered up with the diversity inclusion staff to implement this, and we meet with our affinity groups to make sure we are intertwined with their different efforts uh, because they uh, do mentoring on a daily basis, and we want to help amplify the great work that they do. So the mentoring could be related to diversity and inclusion issues themselves, in other words. It is. It's a great way to to meet the needs of our workforce across the board. All right. And some background research went into the design of this plan, of this mentoring plan. Tell us about some of that survey work the Coast Guard did. So the the greatest asset in our workforce is our people. So we do many different surveys in the Coast Guard. And one of the ones we do is our organizational assessment survey. And our last one, over two-thirds of our workforce said that they wanted more access to mentors. So we definitely want to respond to that need to our people so uh, that we took that data very seriously. So that really spearheaded the development of this program. Additionally, uh, we did a RAND women's retention study in 2019 and uh, increased access to mentors was a very, uh, very loud theme that came out of that. Uh, So we definitely wanted to answer that call as well. So this responds to both of those uh, very strong uh, points of research uh, to build this program. And those that have put down in the system that they would like to be a mentor, do you do some kind of verification on those people to make sure that they're suitable as mentors? We have uh, exceptional leaders uh, in the Coast Guard, and the mentees, the ball is in the mentees' court as far as who they select as mentors. So there's profiles that go into the system. And the mentee uh, can look at their profile so they can request who they are uh, for searching that. And they are uh, in our database and they can do their request and see who the mentee, uh, who the mentor is, who they request. And they, um, they, they make the choice there. 
And this only launched earlier in May. Do you have take-up yet? And how will you measure that you're successful with this new four-track program? We've had exceptional response. We have over 500 people registered in the program so far in our first month. Uh, we've surpassed our initial goals. Uh, we're very excited about the responsiveness for that and the uh, the encouragement we've had from uh, the people who registered. Sounds like you had interest in this all the way to the top at the commandant level. We've had, we've had exceptional leadership support. Uh, mentoring is really um, uh, an important part of our leadership development in the Coast Guard, which is why it's being sponsored by the Office of Leadership. And uh, we've had just incredible sponsorship all the way up through the commandant of the Coast Guard. And we've just exceptional leadership support for this and endorsement through funding and through a leadership champion. So we're exceptionally grateful for them being behind this. And is it too early to tell what sorts of subjects are the object of people's desire for mentoring? Is there something in particular that a lot of people want, or can you discern that trend yet? We have not been able to do any trend analysis yet, but we just know that there is a lot of interest in the program, which we're very enthusiastic about. All right. Commander Julie Cook is Chief of the Office of Leadership at the Coast Guard. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, you think about a pandemic, for example, that has uh, placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is to sort of lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And, and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a, a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment, chain and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions. Uh, on those, on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped 
the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina. Uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a rural school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, the, the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community, uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call equality of opportunity initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values. But the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream which we often define and think of his big I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision 
was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I've tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor at the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Shane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, 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 and so I think that's a lesson for me. If there was some advice and counsel I could give is to continue to do your work, but, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, Confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.